0: Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopyloo, the new and extended baby range. I'm Avril Flynn and you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. The podcast series will feature real mums talking about the beautiful but hard work of raising children today. So I have a fantastic panel today. Joining me is Laura Doyle, mum of four, who runs the Love, Life and Little Ones blog. Avril Wright, mum of two and blogger at Dublin City Mum and Claire O'Connor, principal at Oliver Plunkett National School. So bringing in all of their professional and mothering <laughs> advice and help. So you're more than welcome. And to Today, we're discussing a really relevant topic, um, building resilient kids or hoping to build resilient kids. Avril, I'm going to go straight to you first. As a mother of two girls, although obviously boys and girls are as important, mm-hmm. um, instilling resilience in them is something that you've been very passionate about and it's been something that you've really focused on. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I try. I know my eldest is only five, so I don't have so much worldly experience, but I think it's really important in building resilience to help them to cope with the kind of day-to-day tasks such mm-hmm. as. I suppose kind of banal experiences but are really important like going to school going on their first play date going to their first football class and I think a really good way of doing this is by role modelling as a parent because kids So if they
0: see in you that you are resilient I think school is quite
1: linear but I think um, kids learn so much from their parents so by leading by example and showing them that it's okay to go out of their comfort zone sometimes and to face the fears is really important. Um, and just to give you an example, my five-year-old, she's quite sensitive and really shy and we're really working hard in her confidence. And There's a football, a girls football class that some of her pals go to on a Saturday morning and it took me a year to get her to go to the class and every Saturday we'd talk about it and during the week we'd talk about it and we'd try and make it
0: fun. But not make it really obvious either that, you know, gently, gently. She refused to go
1: and every Saturday I would just let her be and okay, let her play with her toys or watch cartoons or whatever and go easy on her. And then I was like, "No, this is ridiculous. I actually think she'd really enjoy it." So then one Saturday morning, ten minutes before we were due to leave the house, I said, "Right, we're going to football. Get your gear." And she was like, "She didn't have time to think and dwell and let the anxieties build." So I was like, "I just gave her no choice." I was like, "Tough, into the car we're going." And sometimes you have to be a bit hard. And I'm not a really hard mom, but in this case, I was like, "She's going to benefit from this, so we're just going to do it." And I said, "It's okay. We're going to bring Olivia, her little sister, and she's like really up for the crack." So she was like, "Great, I can play football, (laughs) even though she's so not allowed," but she did anyway. So we went, she barely kicked the ball twice. She was. But she went. But she went. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards she was like, it was brilliant. I loved it. And that just absolved all anxieties and all the stress. And I was like, great, this is going to be my technique. Not give her the choice, push her that little bit further, not give in, not wrap her up in cotton wool, you know, at every moment and just do it.
0: And Lord, that's the thing, isn't it? Being overprotective, it's so hard to get the balance right of, on one hand, you're trying to build a resilient child. On the other hand, as a mother... You want to protect your child from being hurt. Totally. How, how, do, how do you find yeah, it? how do you navigate that with your four? Like
2: I think that that's your maternal instinct, isn't it? To protect them, to do everything in your power so they don't experience any pain, any hurt. Yeah. Um. So yeah, for me, it's harder to not do that. That's that's my first in- instinct always. And for an example, at the weekend, actually, my nine-year-old, my eldest, was out at the green um, in front of our house with a couple of the boys, and they started to play. MMA, They're all mad into MMA now at the moment. So they so were
0: literally pulling the heads off each other. Literally.
2: <laughs> so our kitchen is in the front and I'm kind of working away. And I looked out and Kyle's like being held on the ground oh, by his no. neck. And I'm so I called my husband and I said, like, do I go out? And he said, no, just leave him to they it. Have,
0: they have so, to do this. You but fight it, their own it's so
2: hard for me, though. And I stood there for the whole time they were doing it saying, don't go out, don't go out. So anyway, he comes in about half an hour later and I said, Well, are you okay? And he said, Oh yeah, I'm fine and he said it did go a bit far, ma'am. And he said, um, you know, somebody kicked me in the mouth. And I said, All oh, right. And he said, But we set up some rules. Trying
0: not to look horrified. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. We set up some rules now to make it safe for all of us. And we all said sorry. And I said, Oh, that's great. So you isn't know? that amazing? But that I was so proud of him, you he know has for, his own boundaries. Yes. And and for building that resilience and, you know, for for Building the boundaries. Yeah, I think it was a really important lesson for him and the other boys.
0: And Claire, one of the things, you know, we're talking about building resilience, but the counterpoint to that is we have to build resilience because there seems to be this absolute huge amount of ch- childhood anxiety. Absolutely. It's and be- where do you think that that is coming from, or what are your theories? I suppose as um, a principal and
3: as a mom um, in our school, we would have looked at and questioned why, because every year there are more and more children presenting with huge, anxious sort of problems. Um we have an awful lot of children attending, for example, play therapy, attending child counselling, which we wouldn't have seen in the past. And I think maybe part of it is that, again, well-intentioned parents may be doing everything for their children, mm-hmm. not giving children autonomy, not allowing them to problem solve for themselves, rushing in to fix things
0: mm-hmm.
3: for them. Um, and I suppose then once they that they don't actually have the ability to problem solve or to solution to think in a solution focused kind of way, um, also, the media, I think, would have a lot to do with it. Um, children are naturally anxious about things that twenty years ago they wouldn't have heard of. I mean, planes have there have always been a few plane crashes, but now the, the kind of ro-
0: twenty-four-hour rolling news of negativity, absolutely, yeah. and
3: it's everywhere. They're queuing in yeah. the supermarket. They're yeah. at the kids are worried about there. Brexit, which they I are, find yeah.
0: kind yeah. of scary. Absolutely,
3: mm. absolutely. Um, in fact, I was um, even telling. Earlier on, about a situation recently when two kids were chatting in school, two little four year olds, and one had just returned from France. And her friend said, Wow! And the plane didn't even crash.
0: Oh my goodness. I mean, that was our expectation yeah. that planes mm, crash. Yeah. They don't think about the normality. So, so there's a risk, averse they, they think everything is risky. So, so yeah, even so. just getting plane, as Absolutely. opposed to...
3: Absolutely. There, I think we underestimate
1: our children's ability to cope as well. They're, They're a lot more resilient and our natural. Like you said, Laura, is to protect and wrap them up in cotton wool but actually push them out there and then they learn the ability to cope without you and then they can And they learn it very
2: quickly. Yeah, You know, they adapt very quickly to stressful situations if they're allowed to be in it.
0: Yeah. I think also though as a parent it's so important and you as uh, you know seeing the children to actually be able to say at an, at an early stage, mm-hmm. okay, we actually need to intervene mm-hmm. here, and being able to examine what's normal anxiety and yeah. what's normal childhood behaviour, mm-hmm. and then and that I think can be so difficult because as a mother, you're blinded by your love of your child. Yeah, you don't also want to make a big deal where mm-hmm. there isn't one, like you saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, you gently. Um, Chose to make decisions and allowed yeah. her to end up doing her football. Yeah, and you were saying earlier, Lord, that with your kids, like one of your kids in particular, would be a little bit more anxious than the others. And at what stage did that become clear to you, or? you know, was it something that was always there?
2: He definitely was always a worrier. Like that, like Claire's just said, like in, in junior infants he would have probably said that about the plane. Um yeah. he just always was a bit of a worrier, if that's the right phrase. Um and about eight months ago he started to complain of tummy pains when it was time for school. So I kind of would keep him off school at the beginning and he'd be fine, he'd return, he'd be fine. Then about a week would go by and he'd get another tummy pain and then they became more frequent and he was starting to get tummy pains. And then
0: you're getting worried, you know. Yeah, he was starting yeah. to
2: get them maybe four out of five times a week um, and and I kind of started to raise red flags for me. Um, he went to his little pal's birthday party and when I went to pick him up, the mum said, you know, he sat down for all of the party with the tummy pain and I just thought, okay, this is something more than just not wanting to go to school. Um, he was showing kind of a bit, bit more signs of anxiety as well that I had noticed. So, um, Myself and my husband decided to take him to our GP, you know, to see was there something going on. Um, she she suggested we go for an ultrasound to the children's hospital. Um, so that was booked in. And I just kind of thought, I just knew in my gut that it wasn't really physical. It was more mental for him. So um, we found a play therapist in our area and something that I really knew nothing about. Um, I did a bit of research. Myself and my husband met with the play therapist, told her our concerns and... My son went to see her and I have never looked back.
0: Isn't that fantastic, Mm. though? And I mean, Claire, you must see that as well. Actually getting in and having the therapies, but also on a very basic level. What do you think the parents can do to be able to start to build resilience in their in their kids from 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 early doors?
3: I think I love the whole idea of slow parenting and just sort of taking a step back and allowing children just mm. to be and not to overmanage children. Mm. Um you know children are micromanaged because possibly um when we were growing up idyllic we all look back on our childhoods and they were idyllic. Um, we played outdoors. We solved our own problems. We yeah, played I had a very little street. house on
0: the prairie, like I imagine myself running with pigtails. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> well, we in did, the, and in that's, the, that's what the, it seems like, the, you know. And we the had, sun was always yeah, shining. And we had bigger yeah.
3: families. Yeah. I was one of six, so I mean, we were going to fight our corner. Mm. We were going to learn to solve mm. our own problems. Families now are smaller. Exactly. Um, parents are working, so they, uh, there's a lot of. I think mothers are born with guilt. It's, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's mothers' Absolutely. guilt. Absolutely. So we feel I've been at work for five days a week. What can I do for my children? this weekend yeah. I'm going to do the ballet the dancing the this the that and kids have very little time just to be mm. just to yeah. be that's I really think. interesting and yeah. we give in
1: so much to every whim and Absolutely. every wine and every moan yeah. because it's like so important yeah. to be able My to little say precious, no. I'll make her happy mm. I'll get buy her that magazine yeah. for like the fifth time yeah. this week you just have to say no don't
3: you and put up with the tantrum yeah. which is a real pain yeah. but you just have to get over that and it's funny when they come to school I mean um, you have 29 year old children in the classroom who haven't heard the word no
0: and yeah. they all
3: mm. want to be first up to the whiteboard. They all want to be have the lead in the to be ma- Mary wants, and the everyone Christmas wants to be show. Mary in the all, place. and um, Absolutely. And I mean, we would have parents say, our family are devastated. We had a terrible weekend. She threw tantrums all weekend because she didn't get the lead. But they can't all. Yeah. So they need to be told. that. No.
0: I think with kids, there, there was a um, very interesting article written on basically sunflower children that we are breeding um, a generation of kids who all think that they're the best because we tell them constantly it's mm. very important to build confidence mm. but that ultimately not everybody can win the gold medal and that there is something that I really think that it's so important to mm. teach kids to fail. Absolutely. And not even yeah. fail but to come second and totally. to come second well yeah. or come fifth and come... And to celebrate
3: well. when their friends do well, you know. Yes. It's their turn. Yes. Everybody
0: gets a turn to win something. Yeah, you that know. there is joy in kind of watching other people's success, mm. and yeah. it's not all about you. Yeah. yeah, I think the language you use is very important when they're doing a job, like if they're doing their
1: homework or they're spelling or they're reading or something. Not to say oh, you are amazing. Mm. That's brilliant.
0: But that's such a well, done, Aren't you so clever? Do, isn't it? Yeah, but
1: you instinctively say because you're innately proud, and aren't you wonderful? Mm. But the things you should probably say, I and mean, I'm not, not an expert. You yeah. obviously know better, Claire. But to say things like you worked really hard there yeah well Mm -hmm. done that was a really good job well done for working so Mm -hmm. hard because it teaches them i have to work hard it's not going to come naturally because then then they kind of get naturally
0: lazy and they don't try as hard if they think they're brilliant
3: brilliant. yeah it's all about about, good job product really isn't it yeah yeah. i
0: mean resilience for me part of that is actually hard work it's the essence of actually understanding even as a little person that there's cause and effect yeah So if Mm. I do something or if I work hard or if I do this, then I can have certain amount of control or there's a consequence if you don't do it. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, one of my theories about the kind of rolling news and anxiety is that there is so much about kids lives at the moment that they feel totally not controllable Absolutely. and us as parents as well. There's all these external, very (laughs) negative things happening in our world. And that's why we try and micromanage absolutely absolutely everything Mm -hmm. because that's our element Mm. of control. But ultimately, are we actually shooting ourselves in the foot.
3: I think I think possibly well-intentioned. But yes, I mean, if you read Stella O'Malley's book, Cotton, Cotton Kids, is that what it's mm. called? Um, I just feel she, she has it on the head that yeah, we she, do need absolutely. kids. Absolutely. We really do need kids from a very young age to you know problem solve for themselves. You know, when we started sort of the whole bullying, anti-bullying campaign in school, it was tell, tell a teacher, tell an adult. And it's great, of course, kids have to tell and they have to share that they're having these negative experiences. But now we've sort of changed it with our little junior infants. And yes, they do tell. But the first question is, well, what can you do about that? Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. so Johnny's being mean back. to me. Absolutely. So, not hand your problem to the adult to solve because yeah. kids loved that at the start. They'd come running over delighted. to the teacher on the art, delighted, and say, "Johnny is being mean to me," and a kind of almost yeah. mm-hmm. so there yeah. and yeah. ran yeah. away, say, yeah. yeah. it <laughs> Yeah. You know, rather than well, what can you do? Like, what can you do? What can you, what can you say to Johnny? How can you help this? Mm. Help yourself. So, it's become more solution focused for children, and I think as parents, it's really important to catch them solving problems or catch them being agents in their own happiness mm. so, so to f-
0: encourage absolutely. that on a very basic yeah, level yeah and yeah. yeah. do you find that you try and do that
1: on a daily basis with yeah I was just thinking of an example even my two-year-old who recently started Montessori and there's an older well there's a lot of older kids in the group but one of them kept kept pushing her and pushing into her and I didn't I was like how do I problem solve this mm. and so she started to say please stop I don't like yeah. it it's brilliant. because she's really she's a, she's kind of shy herself as well and she's a little voice and she was like and I said did you try that the next time and I said yes so, so say it to me and she's like
3: please stop I no, don't like no, it sure. and then you
1: know because she's never the type to kind of raise her voice and it worked and I haven't heard peep about this other child since yeah. then so yeah. but that's so
2: important as well as the the nine year old that I have, I've got three girls under four um, and I see that all the time with them. They obviously fight all the time. But they even if they're fighting, they'll instinctively look at me straight away. You know, if, if one of them has has done something they shouldn't to see my reaction. So I try not to get involved too much and let them, and figure let them it out actually themselves. figure it out. Yeah. And they really, so really good. do. And mm. And Like that phrase that you used, I hear mine using that all the time. My four year old Mm. to say, you know, no, we don't do that. We don't bite each other, you know, to (laughs) her two year old sister. But she listens and they Mm. get on with it. And I don't get involved for that reason. Now, obviously, there's times when I will get involved if they've kind of gone too far. But they figure it out themselves very quickly.
0: Mm. And that's tools for life, isn't it? I mean, I always wonder if you're... Five, but quite average, I mean, as a lot of kids are Mm -hmm. and are constantly told you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. Eventually you're going to get into the real world. You're going to grow up and you're going to be a very small fish in a very big pond. And Mm -hmm. I can only imagine. Then you figure it out. Actually, I'm actually any average here. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything (laughs) wrong with that, but I imagine that that could lead to real deep-seated unhappiness Mm -hmm. if you kind of believe you're... Up at the absolute top, mm-hmm. when most of us are somewhere in the ninety yeah. percent middle. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that I think is a, is a is a real must be horrible to come like crash down to earth. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. I think that you have to be very honest with children. Mm. And as Avril said, it's just really praising effort, isn't it? It's so important. and that there's, mm-hmm. But
0: there's meaning and effort. Yeah. And if even if you do your absolute best and you come seventh, mm-hmm. that's still really good. Yeah. But that's important. Yeah. And maybe it's okay never to come first. One of the things, though, that, you know, you read kind of buzzwords and articles, and I would love to get your opinion on it, Claire, is not having com- competition in schools as a way to um, avoid, you know, hurting children, which I kind of think is the antithesis of what we're trying to build in resilience Mm. how would you feel about that like taking away competition or not having competition because somebody feels left out
3: I think that competition is part of life isn't it I mean people will
0: look for jobs and not
3: everybody can get the job people look for a role not everybody gets a role so we have to prepare children for that I think over-testing children is dreadful. So school should never be about testing, or even doing homework shouldn't be like. Often parents will say when there have been children with their homework, we fight all the time because it's almost they're testing their children. Do you know these words? Do you mm. know these sounds? So school should be part part of like work, teamwork, cooperative learning, all of that. But you can't take away the element of competition. So. Of course, you have a sports day and somebody will win. There shouldn't mm-hmm. be a prize for everybody. I think that children should celebrate. I did really well I, and children should compete with themselves. Yeah. For example, last week in my Friday spelling test, I got nine. Maybe I'll get ten this week. They mm-hmm. shouldn't know what everybody else yeah. got. Yeah. Yes. And, and they should only a, know what they and, have. And, so and there's com- also
0: value in their own efforts. Absolutely. As opposed to constant. Yes. And I think as parents as well, we can compare I mean we do it like Not you do really. absolutely yeah. like you know my son is three months old and he is obviously the most beautiful baby in the world <laughs> ever and I know that because <laughs> I've seen a lot of babies you know I'm just saying but that's there already and I do I push I him know. around kind of going well he is the most beautiful
3: you know I mean I'll
0: say it that bias but is there. I'm sure that that will continue mm. on of course mm. it is and I suppose that's the proliferation of our species like that's how we yeah. survive yeah. is actually by thinking that the little mini-me's that we make are the best <laughs> um, but not everyone can be the best no. um, or as Melania Trump be best which really mm. upsets me <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think though like Laura you know you have the girls mm. and your son and you do have to parent slightly different with boys and girls because I do think as women mm. and as girls that it's interesting interesting that you said, Avril, the voice can be a little bit smaller um, and the way that boys are taught to be strong, you know, it can be physical attributes Mm -hmm. and girls are taught it's important to be pretty. It's important. And I think that how do you feel about that being kind of not helpful to resilience Mm. if it's focused on boys are strong and girls are pretty?
2: Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I don't think that way. I don't parent them different. I parent them all the exact same. And it's funny because my my boy is not strong uh, or not as strong i should say because he is strong but he he's not as strong as maybe one or two of his sisters um and he he is kind of the worrier and he is the softer one um he kind of doesn't like the stereotypical boy activities you know he's he's really into singing and dancing and Grace. um so I know i just parent them all the exact same and they're all and I suppose maybe that's the, the important way. thing
0: to do. It, hmm. it is to see them as equals. Yeah, and they are. The and
2: children
1: at that age physiologically are actually the same. They have the same strengths physically. So it's really important when you're, suppose, as, as a teacher, when you're teaching boys and girls is to say, you're just as strong as that boy and to demonstrate that if they were to do an activity, there's no reason why the girl can't yeah. reach as high as the boy. Yes. And then if you ingrain that at a very early stage, I remember Eva had a little friend over on a play date and we were talking about, something was broken in the garden and um, my elder said, well, wait till daddy comes yeah. home to fix it. And I said, well, sure, why can't I fix it? I said, I'm just as strong as yeah. a man. And my her, Eva's little friend went, what? Mm-hmm. Mums are just as strong as the dads. I was like, yeah, come on. I brought them out of the garden. I mean, I had no clue what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I tried to fix it just to show them that I'm just as <laughs> capable as, as doing it as your father, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the penny really dropped, and uh, you know, I think they were kind of proud of the girls Again, were proud that mums, of that sense of role modelling
0: is because I mean, kids will see what you, what their parents are doing, yeah, yeah. and they're they're for it. So if they see those very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um you know, role modeling and actually don't think that mummy is as strong as daddy. Yeah. that will continue on. Absolutely. Do, don't yeah, you think you have to
3: have that from a very early age? Mm. Yeah. And even in school textbooks and all of that, the typical mummy in the kitchen and daddy out at work, that's all gone. I know. You know, thank goodness. Anne and timely. Barry. Yeah. Oh, do you remember them? <laughs> Love Ann and Barry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's certainly been a really insightful first half of our Motherboard podcast. Stay tuned because in part two, we will be discussing the importance of allowing your child to make mistakes and managing their emotions. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range. You're very welcome to part two of our Motherboard podcast. Claire, as a mom and School principal, I believe you've come up with some really interesting concepts um, on how to build some resilience in, in your kids.
3: Yeah, we, I suppose we have tried, we have a lot of programs in place in the school, and one that we're looking at at the moment and trying is to be a little bit more restorative in how we treat each other and how we work with the children, and we encourage it amongst the children. And one of the most simple um, steps there is to take away the word why. So why did you do that or why do I have to do? And this? I was
0: about to ask, why would you do that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I suppose why sometimes can sort of o- o- almost immediately infer blame. So if you say to a child, like, why did you do that? Why did mm. you write on your table or why did you scribble mm. on your friend's page? Um, it It automatically puts the child on the back foot because kids are kids mm. and they will do silly things and that's part of pushing the boundaries and part of I suppose the give and take of and growing up sometimes there isn't an
0: actual reason per no, se no they yeah.
3: just felt like doing it there's a lovely white page let's draw a picture mm-hmm. on it so instead of saying why it's a case of maybe saying like what happened and work through a little simple questions like that, that automatically and very gently, they begin to see it from the other person's point of view. So mm-hmm. they say, well, I wrote on her copy. Now she has to go home and explain to her mom why it, it scribbled or, you know, it upset her. Um, so they can begin to empathize and empathy is so mm-hmm. important. But you're giving
0: the power back to them Absolutely. and ma- and allowing them to start to problem solve. Absolutely. And, and mean, have huh? you seen that make a difference with them? Totally. Totally. And
3: there's a, the restorative approach has six very definite questions and they're always the same. They're the same no matter what the problem is. And kids might say sometimes you've skipped a question, you know, <laughs> or you're not allowed to interrupt me because this is my space <laughs> and they actually enjoy it. And we see the older children use it on the yard with each other, which is really, really good. And it's not a case of you did that or, you know, and, and you use the word I more so rather than saying you hurt my feelings. The child is empowered to say, well, I feel upset because so it's very, very it's restorative. They use it at home. Parents have commented that children are beginning to use those techniques at home or with their friends on play dates, and it just gives them a framework which I suppose develops Conflict and resolution.
0: I, and as you said, it's a framework that is applicable to mm. so many Ross different the board. situations and that they Absolutely. can take. It. I mean, I know as an adult, I could probably use it with the framework because yeah. it's the habit is why. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. We uh, trained as a whole staff. I mean, 50 of us did the course and um, over a couple of summers. And it has made a huge difference to us as even a team because we find that it works for us with each other, I really but also in our personal school. lives. It's amazing. <laughs> what are the yeah. questions that you ask, here? Th- the first question is, what happened? Yeah. What were you thinking at the time? And it's not what were you thinking at the time, but mm, like totally with the younger everything. children, you might change the wording and say, what was in your head when yeah. you did that? Mm-hmm. And who was affected and how? So in other words, who did I hurt and how were they feeling? Mm-hmm. And um, how are you feeling about that now? And what do you think needs to happen next? So there are the questions.
0: So it's totally empowering the child to come up with the answers themselves and not putting words in their mouths. Mm -hmm. That kind of sounds amazing.
3: And kids might say, well, I might, I'm going to Smith's at the weekend, so I might buy a little toy for her and replace it or something like that. Or something really, really simple. I might write a note and say sorry,
0: or I might. So you're trying to build self-confidence, build build Mm -hmm. self-reliance. Yes.
3: And they realise they can do it. And the adult actually hasn't intervened at all at any point. Now, we can mediate between children. I mean, I've sat in and we call them little kind of mediation circles. So me in the middle or the teacher and two kids with the older ones, especially, it might be something deeper, like a bullying issue or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's really, really worked. It has worked so much. And at the beginning, there was a little resistance among parents because, you know, when your child comes home from school and they've been hurt, they've been really hurt by another child. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's ongoing and it is a bullying issue. Mm -hmm. And they want blood. They want that child. I think I would have felt like that because my child was devastated. So there was a little bit of coaxing and I suppose trying to sell this concept to parents. But they have come back. And I have some letters from kids that have left and have kind of used this now because they would have been a little bit vulnerable and maybe had issues and they have used this in their new schools. This concept has kind of gone with them and they feel very empowered. I think the more we do for our children, the more we smother them mm-hmm, and we yeah. disempower them from making their own choices. Definitely. Yeah, um, it
0: seems to me, and I mean, you must find this as well, Lord, that you can almost interchange resilience with self-reliance, that that's what are, we're ultimately trying to teach our children. Mm, totally. Uh, are there any kind of things that you've consciously tried to do with yours to, to try and build that self-reliance? Yeah, it's
2: kind of the same Concept really, as Claire, you were saying, it's just really about changing the way you might say something to your child. So, and it, it totally changes their way of thinking mm. then. You know, my eldest now, he's just started the senior side of his school. So it's kind of a lot more responsibility. He walks in on his own, he comes out on his own. The parents don't wait at the gate and, and, um, it evokes a lot of worry in him, unfortunately. But his questions might be, but, you know, what if you're late to pick me up? What if you're not there when I'm outside? And I'll say, I'll say, well, what are we going to do if I'm not there? You know, I've I've three other little ones, two other school pickups, so the chances are I could be late some days. So instead of saying, no, I'm not going to be late, you don't have to worry, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be right there because I may not be. You know, there may be some mm. days where I'm, I'm running five minutes late. I kind of say to him, okay, well, if mom's not there, this is where we wait, you know, and... And, and
0: this is what we do. Exactly, so and I active. will be there.
2: I will never forget you, but if I'm not there when you come out, you just wait here. And it stops that worry in his head. You know, he, he has kind of a solution. If I'm not there, he goes, "Okay, grand, I'll just wait here, you know, and it stops that anxiety in him.
0: And Avril, Mm. you with the girls, would you I mean, they're they're five and two now, but Mm -hmm. still, even now at this stage, you want to try and start to motivate them to understand that they have power in their own little worlds. How do you do that? Like what practical Solution-based things? Do you do, or do you find yourself? Well, doing I'm just thinking things?
1: what we were talking about earlier about um, self-regulation and managing emotions and empowering children to be able to cope in situations, and um, which is very difficult, which is really to do. hard. It's... And during the week, uh, uh, we were in the playground, and there was an older older kid, and there were I saw Eva having a conversation with her, but I didn't pay any attention to it. And then we came home that night, and I do this little technique. Eva's not. A brilliant communicator. In that, I pick her from school. How was school? Fine. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Nothing. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm asking all the wrong questions. <laughs> I so I'm going to try that. what did you do and tell me. You know, and, and probe more. Yeah. But we do this little thing where. When she's in bed and she's calm, I say to her, "What was the best part of your day?" Mm, I love
0: that. And that's, that's such a great. Thing it gets yeah. her talking, mm. and
1: she loves it, and she knows it's coming, so she waits yeah. for it. So she's like, "Well, I did this in school, and it was brilliant. And somebody helped me with this, and I'll get the full story. I'll get everything in like mm. really minute detail that I would never get in a million years." But if bedtime I hadn't is asked a great time as
2: well because anything to keep them from going to sleep. You know, they always need to tell. You oh, she loves bedtime, it? So she's it's like, great. It. So it's like, great <laughs> let's <laughs> have a chat. Do anyway. Yeah, and then I also <laughs> say,
1: "What was the worst part of your day?"
0: So, so this was doing a best and worst. That's, yeah. That's a so a really brilliant this was, idea. She
1: really struggled to even get the words out. So I was kind of like probing and encouraging her to say. And she said, well, what, honestly, she couldn't even speak. And then she said, when I was in the playground, there was a girl and she told me I was ugly and she couldn't even oh, say goodness. it. And she oh. burst into tears. And I mean, I could see her heartbreak and my heart oh, broke. Oh, that is awful. And my... Instinct reaction was to say who was it yeah, can yeah. I, I was like her head I don't to kill shoulders them. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and then I was like was it someone in your school and she was like no it was, an, it was a different child she was wearing a different uniform and she got she was heartbroken and she was in tears and I was like, okay how do I fix this how do I fix this um, but that day I met Brezzy and he's got a new book out called The Magic Moment and it's all about um, helping children to explore difficult emotions and how they can face their fears through t- mindfulness techniques so I was like okay Eva let's talk about this And she said, I'm not going back to the playground again. And in the book, it's all about not being able to do something and then facing your fear. But Mm -hmm. there has to be a technique. You can't force your children into something unless you communicate with them and help them through it. So he taught me this little thing where you push your thumb and your forefinger together and you take deep breaths. And I mean, she went from being completely devastated and in tears to breathing in and out 10 times. It's a really technique. But, you know, you can't just expect a child to do mindfulness without giving them kind of an example of how to do it. So you think of something really nice and it got her through it. And at the end, she was like, I'm okay." I feel really calm and she didn't say I'm calm and I'm happy but I just knew by her that she was mm. a completely different child and and had taken down her upset from maybe a 10 to to zero know, to, and she went to sleep and she's a difficult like going to bed at night and she just went to sleep so I was like this
0: is amazing I'm going to use this every time and but it's also a very practical thing that parents at home can do as yeah. well you know I mean I think that best and I think that's lovely yeah. and actually teaching from even that age a grounding technique
1: and at the end of that actually is to say um, what did you what did you do something kind today? So what was the kindness that you did today? Because that then teaches them that that builds confidence as well because the kindness is reciprocated. Mm. So she always tells me that if she did something kind with a child in school and that
0: makes her feel really good and positive. So she's going to bed. And everyone can Kathy. be kind. It doesn't matter if you yeah. are the best at football in the world or like me, who was actually like the worst at every sport. <laughs> like I was the last picked on every team. Oh, no. I didn't care because... You know, I was kind and genuinely as yes. a kid, like, you know, everyone can be kind. Yep. Do you find that, Claire, that that kind of inbuilt kindness to empower children so to nice. do something nice to each other? Yeah.
3: And I think it's really important that parents <clears throat> and teachers catch kids being kind because and reward kindness, kindness. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, there are so many things, especially people, I suppose, often associate school with tests and scores and academics. But actually, I think most teachers now look at emotional literacy and Mm. look at children's well-being and, and put that on a high. Unless you're happy, you're not going to succeed. Unless you can get on with others, you're not going to succeed. And I will often say to children that nobody ever asked me as an adult, what did you get in Irish in your Leaving search? Yeah. Nobody cares, yeah. mm. but they will remember things like, um, you know, were you kind? Um, did you get on with others? Did you work hard and mm. um, all of that? So kindness is so important and it's infectious. I it's always, really I always infectious. say with, with,
0: with yeah. my job and with my life, one of the things I've always thought about is that nobody will actually ever remember anything that you say as much as you mm. would like. But people people will always remember how you made them feel. Yeah,
3: I was going to say that totally, totally.
0: And yeah. I think that's the whole thing with yeah. building resilient in kids yeah. is yeah. to understand that their behaviour has an effect.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you want to make that effect as yeah. positive as possible. Yeah. yeah, we do little initiatives yeah. like Kindness Week and all of that. Absolutely. You know, and
0: As I said, I really nice. want to go to your school. Well, yeah. All <laughs> schools are like that
3: now. I think they yeah, are. They've They're changed a lot. Absolutely. They're less linear, aren't they? Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, in my daughter's school, they have a little kind of behavioural it's called the cloud if you do something you know slightly off kilter mm-hmm. and then they go into this they get a star in the sun or something if they're really good and she'll say to me oh I was in the sun today but it's never for getting 10 out of 10 or mm. it's never for reading it's always for oh, I was really kind to my friend mm-hmm. I gave mm-hmm. her something she didn't have mm-hmm. it's always rewarding kindness and they love it it's and lovely. also
0: creating a space to talk about difficult feelings Yeah. Um, I think is, is such an important thing as it's well lovely. I mean you must find with your kids at home that it's the difficult things and actually creating a safe space. As you said, you allow them to make their own mistakes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I always encourage them to talk about their feelings. I think that's that's so important. And, you know, maybe that's a a new way of parenting is talking about feelings. I don't think really when I was growing up, we talked too much about feelings. Um, And I think that that's it's so important and oftentimes Like the younger ones or even the older one may not have the words to describe their feelings Mm. or the ability to even say how they're feeling. They'll just have that kind of tummy ache or they'll have the the symptom of anxiety, but they won't be able to describe that. I love to have them draw it. So it works really well with my kids to have just a plain piece of paper, no lines and some crayons and to draw how they're feeling. Um, To draw
0: a worry monster or whatever. Mm. Or
2: like you could be surprised that. Like, even with the play therapy, he adapted so well, like that they, they know what to do. You know, if you give them the tools that they, they can do with themselves, like he from the second he went in, he sat down, he played. I kind of thought he'd be a little bit reserved or, you know, being that little bit older, he might not kind of want to engage too much. In and have it, you really seen did. an
0: improvement? A
2: huge. Improvement. Which is fantastic. Like I would say the tummy pains went almost immediately like for for him to have a safe space where he can talk about his feelings and know it's okay to have big feelings you know mm-hmm. that or conflicting feelings or you know different feelings to know that he can talk about them and that they're normal really really helped him and, uh, yeah, almost immediately. I
0: suppose as well that that can be the first indication because sometimes you might know if your kid is anxious, but that a physical manifestation it's of a pain. Mm-hmm. Do you find that with some of the kids at Google that that's a fir- the first? Pain, <laughs> pain in my tummy. Yeah, the mm-hmm. pain in my tummy. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think every child experiences it at some time. Yeah. It could be because. Somebody said they were ugly, somebody yeah. bumped into them in the yard and didn't say sorry. And it's always a physical mm. manifestation
0: because yeah. you don't have the word. You might not have the words. The, or even and it really is yeah. physical pain that they get, oh, it is. isn't it? It's
3: yeah. real. And as some yeah. parents would say, that's reality. That's their reality. Mm. They yeah. feel that. And um, But I think it's really, really important. And there are lots of programs in play now, and it's mandatory for every school to do the Stay Safe program, which is, has been revised and is excellent. And at the infant stage, it's really all about acknowledging feelings and naming Mm. them, naming them. Because for so long, you would say to a big sixth class boy or a little fourth class Mm -hmm. girl, how are you feeling? And the one word we kept getting was sad. I'm sad. Really? Sad was. uh, uh, Now, that's if they were hurt or something Mm -hmm. happened. Not all day. Makes me feel sad. But (laughs) I think that sad was sort of a blanket word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It 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 was a a a coverall. It was a coverall. And we we need them to probe. Am I feeling jealous because I didn't get sweet? Or am I feeling disappointed because something I wish didn't happen? Or am Mm -hmm. I scared? Am I afraid? Am I lonely? Am Am I anxious? Am I worried? So we need to teach children what the words are and what yeah. they look like. So an awful lot of and time is spent in Ireland of old.
0: That. I mean, it's not as if we came from very, you know, expressive families. families. No, and no. and mm. certainly I definitely think in Ireland showing emotion per se mm-hmm. was not something like stoicism mm. was something that was rewarded much yeah, more think, so. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really appropriate yeah. to have you know, big shows of emotion like in our house. I know there weren't really that many fights. There were a lot of slammed doors. Mm, Yeah. Um, and some silence some you know, good true. dose of that silence was always, the yeah. oh, which yeah. is worse yeah. Yeah. The, it is oh, the yeah, worst is. thing but that was there yeah. and yeah. I think maybe yeah. that that's some of the children have that as a kind yeah. of a hangover yeah. from our parents yeah. and us yeah. and it's I think so
3: it's, sorry no no go ahead Claire. it's so empowering to hear a child say I feel sad because or I feel disappointed or I'm worried in case mm-hmm. that they can actually name it yeah. and once you name it you have an audience, and you have somebody. You collaborate with somebody, and you've got a solution.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you can't solve a problem unless you acknowledge it. Yeah, well, yeah. that's
2: one of the things we do with my eldest now. If he names his feeling, we'll brainstorm and we'll get that solution. We'll write it down, and he obviously can read and write now, so he even does it himself now. You know, and yeah. and he has a little journal at nighttime. If he has any worries, he puts them into it, mm. and if I look at it, I can see him brainstorming when I'm not even there. So it's 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 really empowering to see it working. As Absolutely. Well for for him, yeah, journaling you know?
1: is really important for older children. So, yeah. so what so I do is it's down. any form of communication. So right yeah. now we're doing the let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. When they're older, they can write about yeah. it. It's all about expressing their emotions. Yeah. I think it's really important to let kids own their emotion and teach them how to self regulate. So if they're sad, let them be sad and don't yeah. try and interfere. And don't try very and distract challenging. Them. And don't try and jump off like a circus clown. Yeah. Just try and make them happy. It's okay to let them experience sadness. And I think role modelling is really important there as well. So it's okay to let your child see you upset sometimes if something has happened for whatever reason and to say, oh, you know what? I'm grand now. I'm happy now. And that's okay too, because if they see life is wonderful at home and then suddenly they go to the the real world and life isn't so wonderful, that's such a big shock for a person. And
3: the whole concept of this too will pass. I'm exactly. sad now and, you know, I'm Nothing going to be sad forever. for a little while, but I will be OK. Yeah. I'll work through this and yeah. it will be OK.
2: I think it's really important yeah. as well if they say I'm sad to, to not say, no, you're not. You, you're not sad. It's fine. It's going to be fine because they may be sad. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really good I'm to try. acknowledge that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think yeah. as
0: mothers, we want we want to vision for our children that we're quite perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think like it is, so I yeah. think to, to show, you know, the It doesn't art. last as does no. no. a mother of a 23-year-old. They know I'm <laughs> perfect. Yeah. They know from about the age of 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, and then, but then they like you again hopefully when they turn around 19. Ten years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think there's been some really brilliant points and I hope you know, parents at home have taken some of the skills as well, like actually to be able to build resilience. I think it's really positive as well, Claire, to hear that that support is in schools as well Mm -hmm. and to be able to take it from school to home. And thank you so much, everyone. I mean, my panel are always fantastic and I've always learned so, so much. And we'd love if you would like and subscribe and review Only Say Nice Things, of course, the Motherboard podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to join us on November 19th when we'll be talking about Motherhood and mental health. Take care. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range.